I still need to watch all of this show in order. There is a mixture of sadness, but at the same time, there's a mixture of a little bit of humor, which you can definitely expect in this series. Every character has multiple dimensions, really. Obviously, it's a scripted show, but they don't feel scripted. They feel real. They feel genuine. If kids find value in things, I think there is value in them, because it is art in its own way, and it is very important. Whatever it is, just own it. You know, love what you do and do what you love. If it's cool to you, then, you know, who cares about what the others say? Hello and welcome to We're In Between, the podcast that discusses, as told by Ginger, once a week, every week. We are now on episode 15, entitled Deja Who. Um, in this one, Courtney gets food poisoning the same week that she's supposed to be escorting the senator's son to school in order to convince him to enroll there. Um, but because she's sick, she decides to get Ginger to pretend that she's Courtney and uh, she sort of ends up uh, transforming quite a bit throughout that. And there's, you know, conflict with her and her friends in that as well. Um, we also then have the side plot of Hoodsy getting amnesia and deciding that he wants to be referred to as Rob and uh, really not seeming much like his old self. So we've got a couple of uh, identity crises here for us. So yeah, this is actually a pretty interesting episode involving with identity. And I guess it's kind of relatable that we all have that in some way, especially when we're teenagers in which we're kind of questioning on who we are or, you know, who people, um, you know, t tell us who we are and stuff like that. So it's kind of a really confusing time. So right before we discuss about today's episode, we're actually going to be reading off the comments from episodes 10 through 14. So the first one we're going to be starting off with is episode 10, Kiss and Makeup. And we're going to be reading from the Old School Lane YouTube channel. Our first comment comes from No Parking Barry. And he says, Kiss and Makeup was one of the first episodes of As Told by Ginger I watched after deciding to become a fan of the show. And it instantly became one of my top favorite episodes. While this show isn't normally one I go for solely for comedy, unlike my favorite Nicktoons... This particular episode was a light-hearted ride all the way. I'm mainly referring to Ginger's main plot, where she, Macy, and the despicable one, known as Dodie, make themselves look weirder than they already are, or just priceless, memorable material. Lois is great as always, from the part where she tells Carlin Hoodsy not to eat in front of the open fridge, even though she does it herself, to the little scene where she eats the mashed potatoes and says, needs blush. Also, was Courtney the hot hottest tamale during picture day or what? And yes, Casey, Dwayne is an awesome garbage dude. <laughs> I am a big Dwayne fan, and uh, we just might see him again sometime soon, and I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah, very soon. And also, he thanks us for sharing his Hello Stranger fan art that we mentioned in the Hello Stranger episode, so you're very welcome, No Parking Barry. Uh, we have another comment from Codebox42, and he says... Yeah, I feel that this was a callback to Lois's unreasonable motivation in Cry Wolf. Here, it makes a lot more sense why she wouldn't want Ginger to wear makeup. She sort of gives a you-should-look-good-as-yourself moral behind her motivation. As for Cry Wolf, I can understand how some of the more defensive in regards to Dodie where her actions seem more innocent. However, I can also argue with it being an accident, the fact that she can easily be so swayed and get jealous means that her bi-curious affection still means more to her friendship. I respect the show for tackling a lot of serious subjects like that. And then he goes into a little bit more of a 
um, spoiler part, but I'm not going to read that. So going into characters, I've always respected Courtney for being an interesting character and stirring away from such a cheap cliche used in other shows. Rather than being a stereotypical alpha bitch, she has her posse in more of a... <laughs> yes, excellent wording there, Codebox42. Thank you. Anyway, she has her posse... So as evocative. Yes, exactly. She has her posse as more of a form of comfort because she's hinted rich equals loneliness. And her interest in Ginger is a far more unique take on the trope. I also feel that she always has funny lines and her insecurities are very relatable and has funny moments created from them. We have another comment from Bebe Speaks. And this person says, I give this episode a yay for the Blake slash Carl slash Hoodsy slash Darren plot because it reminds me of the whole 1980s slash 90s kids boy adventure movie vibe. The blackmail aspect really got me where Darren threw it back into Carl's face, reminding him about blankies slash lovelies or a childhood comfort that we all have, regardless of who we became later on after we've outgrown said items. I also like the little part where Blake is playing with the toy knights instead of some TV show big brand name toy that mocks our real toys in life, such as Weeboos and Arthur representing the Beanie Babies, and Virtual Goose representing Mario Kart, and the same toy trend pattern has always continued in the writings of Arthur. Alternatively, Krebstar Products and Pete and Pete. Blake playing with the toys reminds me of Elliot from E.T. playing with toys in the same mannerisms. As for the fake-up and makeup scenes, I kind of like Courtney's comment about the circus school. It was witty and ultra-preteen slander, a very mild comment to anything what Regina George would have said in Mean Girls, in comparison to framing Katie for writing the burn book. Actually, forget all the lines about Ginger, Dodie, and Macy. Just Courtney had the best lines for the plot. The writing was better from the HBIC point of view than listening to Three Little Girls. Also, Dwayne is totally rad. I know he's in future episodes and he's got a great mini side character personality. He's way cooler than Chet or Brandon Higsby. <laughs> now I will I'm a Brandon sort of defender I suppose a little bit but not even I can come up with anything positive to say about Chet yeah and finally we have one more comment and this is from Taker's Little Lover 4 and she says I'm with Lois saying that girls are fine just the way they are without makeup Lois is one of the best moms in the history of television the part where Carl and his lamb is just adorable we all have one thing from our childhood that we still have Hell, I'm 24 years old, and I still have my Minnie Mouse blanket I've had since I was two years old, and it still covers me completely. Also, one more thing that I want to say about uh, Kiss and Makeup. Thank you so much for actually saying that I actually look good in my school picture that I posted in the video. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> and I'm still waiting for Casey and Ashley's school pictures. So, yeah, there's that. Oh, jeez, you're right. I do need to get on that. Let me uh, Let me text my mom. Okay, so yeah, while Casey does that, and hopefully we'll have that up in a future episode of We're In Between, uh, let's go over some ep comments from episode 11. So we actually have one from the We're In Between forums, and this was from Erica, and she says... I think that this episode should have been a huge turning point in Ginger's feelings toward Ian Richton. Prior to this point, she had a major crush on him and saw him as the cute, dreamy, popular guy that every girl wants to date. However, in this episode, Ginger suddenly feels that Ian may not have been the wonderful guy she thought he once was. 
she, uh, she realizes that he was only using her to get a good grade in chemistry class and did not see her as much more than a science whiz. I totally relate to this. As someone who's been head over heels for that one dreamy guy in high school that seemed unreachable and out of my league, to me, that person was everything but to them. It was like I was invisible and irrelevant, which definitely hurt. I do believe that this sort of wake-up call, in a sense, because it really makes you realize that this person is not worth your time when they don't even think much of you, and only keeping you from finding someone else who does see something, uh, see you as something special. While I do feel bad for Ginger in this episode, I thought it was very sweet how Courtney was being supportive for Ginger in dealing and interacting with Ian. Dodie and Macy were supportive, but more of a bystander sense, which often seems to be the case with these two. While Courtney takes more initiative, in all, I really like this episode episode and it teaches a valuable lesson about crushes and how people are not always what they seem when looking at them from a distance and on a more personal level loving the videos keep it up well thank you that's a that's an insightful and great comment Patricia, I did just send you a picture that I found on my mom's Facebook of all places so I'll be sure to share that with the forum oh yes it's and not I... a school picture but it is a first day of school picture, and it's pretty awkward. <laughs> we'll definitely post it on to the forums, or if we're on the Old Schooling YouTube channel, here it is. So, you know, send your cute comments or whatever. All right, let's continue <laughs> on. So, um, going into the Old Schooling YouTube channel, we have a comment from Kia Clark, and she says, This was a good episode. It teaches its viewers not to let anyone walk all over you or take advantage of you, even if you like them. I found it surprising that Macy was making mistakes during the science experiment because she's supposed to be the smartest one in the group of her friends. As far as Carl's plot goes, I agree that it wasn't very interesting, but it was still entertaining. I would actually disagree with part of that comment. I don't know if Macy is supposed to be the smartest one. She acts nerdy, but like just because she has glasses and has a funny voice, I don't think she's like a whiz kid, although she does have a big vocabulary. Yeah, I think that maybe when we were discussing about uh, Macy in episode 10, that she was smarter compared to Ginger and Dodie. I mean, and not as smarter in a sense like she's a genius, but, you know, I mean, sure that she does take advanced French class. But as for like knowing a little bit more than Ginger or Dodie in some subjects, I don't think so. Yeah, I think Ginger is probably the brightest of the three of them in terms of like insightfulness to the world around her. Okay, so let's see. Here we have another one. This is from Hey, It's Me, Rachel Z. And she says, Okay, so this is one of the episodes that made me not like Darren Patterson when he was being salty in general. I feel like in this episode, it's more of a best friend kind of care, to be quite frank. I never really shipped Darren and Ginger together. The only reason why I think Darren didn't like Ian was because Ian wanted to get to know Ginger's brain instead of her personality. And I think it struck a nerve with Darren, which made him not want to tell Ginger in the first place because he was caring for her as said friend at the time. Because she likes someone, which brings me to saying, let the one you love the most go, which is normally what happens in high school and life. I never shipped Darren and Ginger not even once. And I always thought Darren was uh, only caring for his own feelings regarding of anything else. And um, she does say a few spoiler things, so I'm just going to leave it at that. That's valid. Thank you. Okay. And uh, let's go over to episode 12, which was Comeback Little Seal Girl. And in mixture with this, with our interview with Jackie, we did receive a lot of comments about this. 
So uh, here's one from Alex Klepp, and he says, Good discussion on the episode. I totally understand how Macy feels. It's hard to give up things that seem childish because you're growing up. But it's true. There are things that we can't let go no matter how old we are. I love Disney since I was little, and many view it as childish stuff, but I don't care. I love most of what they put out even to this day. P.S. When you were discussing your favorite As Told by Ginger episodes, Patricia, I love that you included the quote from Mary Jo Putney. Uh, what one loves in childhood stays in the heart forever. So true. Good job. And thank you, Alex, very much for that. We have a comment from Albedo Yurev. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And he says, After rewatching the series after all these years since it last aired, when I saw the ending of this episode, I felt embarrassed watching them performed. I do admit that I respect Macy for going on stage for doing something I would never do. It's not one of my favorite episodes, but I do believe that it's one that deserves a lot of respect. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, you know, so close to... uh such great episodes as well. I feel like the the episodes in this show that chronologically happen right by the really amazing ones, I almost feel bad for those episodes because it's you end up comparing them. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is that because we're a weekly podcast and we have to watch all the episodes in order, you know, some episodes are great, some episodes are okay, some episodes are bad, but, you know, that's just the way it is. So... Yeah, I mean, if you're not too crazy about this episode, then that's perfectly fine. But yes, um, I, I mean, just like we mentioned in both of the times that we've discussed about the little seal girl, this episode is what we think is one of the best episodes. And for, I mean, for a lot of people, there's a reason why people still remember it. Certainly a favorite of mine. Oh, absolutely. All right, now let's go over to episode 13, I Spy a Witch, which was as told by Ginger's Halloween episode. So, let's see, we have one from Droysis545, and this person says, While I give this episode um, a relatively yay for me, I was quite bothered when Maud didn't show up the first time they attempted to do the seance. The excuse is, why would she come back for her old jug? But I think that Maud would want to respond to Carl right away because it was Carl. We saw how close these two were, um, in episode two, but this bond still isn't enough to make her want to come without additional motive. It felt to me like an insult to the relationship that they formed. The fact that Maud, when she returned, said, it's about time you called, only rubs salt in the wound. But aside from that, I enjoyed the plot and the level of satisfaction I was able to feel at the end of the episode were still enough to give this episode um, at least a mild yay. I like how our degrees of yay have sort of caught on with the listeners now, too. So we have one from uh, HeartLover1717, and this, and she says, The only thing that grabs me in this episode is the show within the show, the musical. If you've ever been part of a school-slash-church-slash-community production, it brings back memories from the auditions, reactions to casting, rehearsals. I've enjoyed it all. So finally, we have episode 14, Blizzard Conditions. And uh, we have a comment from uh, SNB, 16 Six Stars, and she said it's sweet and to the point, my personal favorite episode. <laughs> Interesting. I like this episode a lot, but it, I, I don't know if it would be in a top five for me. Sure, but you know what? I mean, if you like this episode, then that's perfectly fine for you. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Oh, for sure. It's... It's all totally subjective, yeah, and this is a great episode. 
So yeah, that's it for the comments. So thank you so much for leaving your comments on both the We're In Between forums and on the Old School Lang YouTube channel. And uh, the next time that we will be reading off your comments will be at um, the Season 1 recap that we'll be doing as soon as we're done discussing about the Summer of Camp Caprice. So uh, yes, continue to leave your comments and your feedback and we'll definitely read it in, in the next one. So thank you. And now back to the episode discussion. Um, yeah, so the episode begins with a food fight of all things. And, you know, a stereotypical food fight and everybody's going all crazy and then Courtney approaches saying that this is incredibly juvenile. And so... Um, Principal Milty makes the announcement that the senator is thinking about going into Lucky Junior High and Courtney is really interested in being like the escort for the senator's son because, you know, because he's the son of a political man, she thinks that because she's rich and that she, you know, and she has like a higher upbringing compared to all the other students, she wants to be the one to show him around and prove that Lucky Junior High is the school to go to. Yeah, this was a very interesting episode in terms of involving politics. It's not necessarily an inherently political episode, of course, but it does get closer to that than we've ever seen. And uh, But on a completely unrelated note, I th- my favorite Miranda-Courtney interaction happens at the very beginning of this episode. where And there's a lot of good Miranda-Courtney interactions in the show. Courtney says... Miranda, I need you to... And Miranda gets all excited. She goes, yes. And then she goes, hand me the phone so I can call Ginger. And I started, like, screaming. (laughs) Yeah, and we get, of course, a lot of that jealousy, right, of Miranda towards uh, Ginger and the weird relationship that Courtney and Ginger always have. Um, And then she she does kind of counter with it. Well, you know, you can't be me because then who would be my best friend? But, uh... You can sense a little bit of a uh, little bit of salt, I would say, on Miranda's end there. Yeah, and so while Miranda and Courtney are eating lunch, um, she starts not feeling well, and she and then it turns out that she's actually allergic to the mystery meat, and she her face is like completely bloated, and she looks awful, and that's when she decides to get Ginger to be the person in charge of portraying as Courtney. And then they, you know, say like a whole bunch of tips on how to act like Courtney. She has her hair styled up like Courtney to try to convince the senator's son to stay at Lucky Junior High. Yeah, and this is another very similar plot to Mean Girls. I know that's come up a few times now, but it's very precise (laughs) where she starts as faking it. Granted, it's not to make fun of Courtney like it is in Mean Girls, but... She starts sort of badly faking it, and it sort of consumes her and turns her into this monster. This is such a weird episode, you know? Like, everyone, even the adults, just go along with this completely ridiculous concept. And I get it, Courtney has that much social power, and her parents are connected and all that, but how does this work so well? It's so unrealistic. Yeah, I guess this is similar to in the the episode that we talked about a few weeks ago where Dodie was saying a whole bunch of gossip in the morning announcements. It's like, why aren't the teachers saying anything? They shouldn't, I mean, the teacher should have immediately shut down Dodie the moment that she says some gossip. But yeah, here we go once again with the teachers being incredibly inadequate. Yeah, it's also super strange because like they, they end up calling Ginger's mom, right? And saying like, where's Ginger been? She hasn't shown up to school in the past, like, week. But, like, 
You'd think they would at least actually mark the attendance correctly, right? Because clearly the teacher could see that it's Ginger, but apparently they haven't been, <laughs> and they've actually been marking Courtney's. The whole thing is just so strange in the way that the dealings work, but, you know, it's the weird world they live in where, like you said, the, the teachers are inadequate in what they're doing. Yeah. So cutting into Carl and Hoodsy's plot. So Carl and Hoodsy are hanging upside down in the swings and Mr. Licorice, Brandon's monkey, comes by and scares Hoodsy and Hoodsy loses his balance and bangs his head and he ends up in the hospital. And then when Carl checks up on him, Hoodsy does not remember who Carl is. He has amnesia and... He doesn't remember anything, and Carl is, like, really shocked by it, because Hoodsy is not acting like himself. Yes, it's, uh, this is one of the episodes where I definitely prefer the Carl Hoodsy plot to the, uh, the main plot. And, yeah, like you said, so, he, uh, he, ha- he has a case of amnesia, essentially. I think that's what it is, yeah. And he starts going by Rob, his real name, and doesn't go by Hoodsy, and, uh... Interesting that he chooses Rob and not Robert. I guess that must have been what he went by before he became Hoodsy. I would love an origin story for how he becomes Hoodsy. I don't know if that's coming at all, but I'm curious. No. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Uh, The reason why he's called Hoodsy is because he has a purple hoodie on. That's pretty much it. Right, but I mean, I wonder when it started and who, like, did Carl come up with it? It's probably not that important. He's just one of my favorite characters. It's just a nickname. We can all assume that. So, yeah, it's never mentioned, unfortunately. So, Rob, I guess we can call him that in this episode. So, he starts becoming friends with Brandon. And Joanne is really, um, uh, she's really supportive of this. Because Brandon, as we've seen throughout the previous episode, he's a goody-two-shoes kid who's, like, nice and sweet. And um, he's, like, really over-the-top kind. And Joanne prefers this over Carl, who's, like, a massive troublemaker. And they do a lot of gross things and they get themselves into trouble so she encourages this and slowly rob is no longer interested in being friends with carl he's definitely a lot more subdued and carl tries his very best to show him of all the good times they have but it's just not working hoodsy i mean rob is just seeing that carl is very dangerous to be around and carl is really upset that he essentially lost his best friend Yeah, she, I think Mrs. Bishop goes way too far on this, in a a very manipulative, unacceptable way, in my opinion. Well, that that is, Joanne has always been very manipulative, but I think we see it more abundant in this episode compared to the previous episodes we talked about. The last episode we saw Joanne was in Sleep On It, where, you know, Carl ruins her book club, but um, yeah, we do, well, we, we will see more on Joanne's manipulative actions later on in the series, but yeah, this is definitely really apparent that she does not like Carl whatsoever, that she wants him to be far away from her as possible and um and you know she encourages that rob becomes friends with brandon and that um you know carl just stays away and never comes back yeah it's it's really sad to see that sort of that transition happening with them and it's strange and it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like how much of your personality is built up of your interactions right so it's the reason that he's not acting like himself anymore is that he can't remember things, right? So it's like, how much how much of him became him 
because of being around Carl and because of those memories more than who he is. Kind of like a, almost like a nature versus nurture kind of moment, if you know what I mean. Yeah, which is a really nice parallel too, because, you know, do we really, I mean, we always see Hoodsy kind of like on the back burner compared to Carl. And we do get to see him, you know, we do get to see his shining moments, but Carl is like the lead man. So the fact that, you know, Hoodsy is kind of like his own person and we get to see, you know, in a sense, like who he can really be without Carl being like manipulative towards him. So, we kind of see that and then we have ginger being manipulative of acting like courtney and she's basically being controlled by miranda saying you have to do this this is what courtney would do and you have to be with these people you have to know about these people and you need to know you need to hang out with these friends because that's how courtney would do it and you have to act this way because that's how courtney would act so you know on the sense we have ginger not acting like herself she's trying to be somebody else and then we have hoodie having amnesia and he basically is somebody else. He's not like his real self. So that's kind of like the sense of this episode. Yeah, for real. I uh, What's uplifting and heartwarming about this episode is Carl and Hoodsy sort of discovering their friendship again. And, uh, oh, someone commented, <laughs> Patricia, I sent a screenshot to Ashley asking about if Carl and Hoodsy end up together. And I, I think the, the way... The, way I typed it to Ashley was, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> and like, like I've said before on the show, like I am gay and like, don't get me wrong. I'm all about weird pairings, but that one is just so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Even with, you know, Jackie, the way she imagines, um, you know, if Jackie would ever have a relationship, she says, oh, I see Macy as a total lesbian. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. And she's like, out of all the people, I would see it with Courtney. And I'm like, sure, you know, I mean, it's a little bit unorthodox, but sure, I can see that. And if, you know, if you're one of those people who see Carl and Hoodsy together, I mean, you know, more power to you. But, um... Just the fact that they're really close friends. I mean, it's like, I understand that if you see, like, you know, the same sex, pe- you know, if you have two same sex people hanging out with each other as friends and you want to automatically ship them as gay, it's like, you know, that's, it's more power to you. If you feel that way, that's fine. But it doesn't always have to be that way, you know? Right. I'm. If I had to pick, I'm much more team Arnold and Gerald, though there's probably even less evidence for that one. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I, I would ship it, sure. <laughs> oh man i i feel like of the you know same-sex relationships going on though the ginger courtney one's gotta have the most strong vibes going right at least one-sided yeah i mean you know still we haven't you know gotten the ru- the rumors confirmed that originally courtney was supposed to fall in love with ginger that's still a rumor that hasn't been confirmed yet yeah but the vibes are there nonetheless the vibes are definitely there so yeah, um, what were we talking about again? Oh, we got there. Carl and Hoodsy's friendship. Because we really see Carl can sometimes take Hoodsy for granted, I think. But he really, it hits him pretty hard when he realizes that Hoodsy doesn't really remember all of their memories. He goes, Hoodsy, and kind of collapses. And you see how important this is to him. Yeah. And also, you know, cut it back to Ginger again. Slowly, she's becoming like Courtney and she's ignoring Dodie and Macy. She's hanging out with the popular kids. She's acting a little bit snobbish. And it's just really like overpowering her in a sense in which, you know, she thinks that she is Courtney and she thinks that she can act this way. But in reality, she's still Ginger just acting like somebody else. 
Yeah, it's it's a strange transformation to see, and I'm glad that she does eventually sort of come to terms with it, right? Uh, she kind of starts realizing how she's been acting and how much she's gotten sort of drawn in by this whole amount of chaos, and I, I don't remember exactly how the wording goes, but I know that they say something about, like, how Ginger's on vacation and maybe she can't come back. And Ginger says, like, guys, let me come back from vacation. And they kind of have this moment of of forgiveness, right? Of forgiving her for getting so caught up in it. If Dodie were in the same situation, I can only imagine she would be worse, honestly. So it's it's fair enough for her to be forgiving, right? <laughs> oh, she would be much worse. Okay, so now we can cut into the scene in which the senator's son arrives, and the senator is there, and um, the senator's son is such a snob. He is full-blown snob. He points out a whole bunch of people like Dodie and Macy, saying like, oh, they're so dorky, and Ginger is like slowly breaking out to the point in which she knows that, um, you know, these are her friends, but then she tells them about, you know... These people are really nice people. You don't have to judge them just because of this and this and that. But then, um, you know, he says, like, but we're but we're rich, Courtney. We're the higher ups. And you why are you saying this? And then uh, Ginger just flat out tells him about that. He's such an he's acting like a snob and it's all on TV. And Courtney gets so embarrassed. He's like, no, Ginger, don't say that. No. It's like ruining everything. Also, I just thought it was strange that this is televised, apparently, because she's like watching it or someone's recording it and showing it. I, I don't know exactly what's going on. It's being televised. Why is this this the senator's son eating lunch at a middle school is apparently newsworthy? I mean, the senator sure. is there. And so if, if the senator um, and the son are there, apparently it's big news. It's like, oh, what's going on in the world? Uh, you know, nothing really that special. Maybe a puppy's uh, being trapped in the basement. Oh, the senator and his son are at the middle school. More news at 11. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, along with the antics of the show, sure, why not? This, I guess, at least in local senses, is probably a pretty big deal to them, too. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Ginger ends up, you know, fighting back. And we, we also get at the end, Courtney kind of is like, you know, there really can only be one me. And, you know, I guess Courtney's, uh, uh, Ginger is just not cut out to be as spoiled as Courtney is now, is she? And I think that's for the best. Yeah, definitely for the best. So, yeah, the episode ends with um, Rob wanting to take a shot at being hoodsy. He even wears the purple hoodie. And he says, you know, um, I may not remember, but I'm willing to give this a shot. You know, tell me everything that we used to do together. And Carl is really excited to, you know, start the friendship all over again and see where it goes from there. You know, by the way, in the next episode, um, you know, his and his memories come completely back. But there are mentions that he did go through amnesia. But for the most part, he does return back to normal later on. So, yeah, this is just a uh, it, it's resolved pretty quickly, which which is kind yeah, of a shame I, to be quite honest. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have a, one last quote that I want to get out uh, at at uh, near the end of the episode. Court uh, Ginger says. Oh, wait, what's the context of this? I have the quote. I know it's Ginger that says, I may be Courtney Grippling, but I'm no snob. And I think it's Courtney who says, I am a snob. 
that's the scene in which when um when the the senator's son is um saying all these insulting things about Dodie and Macy and then he stands up and then Ginger stands up to him saying, you know, I may be um, Courtney Grippling, but I'm not a snob. And then t- Courtney sees it on TV, and then she says, but I am a snob! That's where the context is, when, you know, Courtney sees yeah. the televised version of, you know, the senator's son being in Lucky Junior High. At least she's self-aware of that much. I think that's about it, right? Yeah. So uh, let's get into yay-nays, mez, super yays, whatever the case may be. Well, guys, hear me out. What if we add a super meh? I'm so done with you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, meh does not need to be super. Yeah, what would that even mean? Like, especially average? (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like toast. It's like toasted white bread. (laughs) It's toast versus bread, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Toast versus bread. There you go. Amazing. So I'm going to start things off. I'm going to give it a meh because Courtney and Ginger's side of the story is just so not interesting. Just seeing, you know, Ginger being easily manipulative to thinking that she's Courtney. It just is a little bit cringeworthy considering that we, we kind of see with Ginger's perspective of her being a normal girl just going through things and then her just being overtaken by trying to be popular and thinking that she is Courtney Grippling is just really off-putting. But um, I, I do really like the Carlin Hoodsy plot. I do think it's a really fascinating thing to see. You know, we get a Hoodsy-centric episode that's not really Hoodsy. It's, you know, he gets amnesia. He's not really, you know, connecting with Carl anymore because he thinks of him as, like, a really bad influence. He starts hanging out with Brandon, and slowly he's opening up to giving Carl a chance to see that they can become friends again. So I like that aspect a lot more than the ginger side plot. I thought that the ginger side plot was really forgettable, but the the Carl and Hoodsy side plot was really fascinating, but I'll just give it a slight meh. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and second that one uh, for pretty much the same reasons. I think that I mean it's like you know it's interesting in a manner of speaking to see Ginger kind of acting like this, but overall it's not spectacular. I do think getting to sort of see the friendship getting rebuilt from square one with Carl and Hoodsy is a lot more interesting and different from the last couple of episodes we've seen. Definitely the the B plot stands out to me more than the A plot in this case, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a meh as well. Yep, and because I'm a total poser, I'm also going to go with meh. (laughs) And yeah, it's a fine episode. It's a little too unrealistic for me, but there's a lot of good in it as well, especially with the Carl Hood Z-plot. All right, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.